All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast, hosted by Carter Thompson, as always. Thanks for tuning in and listening. We have the NBA Finals Games 3 and 4 to talk about on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Game 5 is tonight. I believe it's June 13th as I'm recording this right now. So Game 5 tonight between the Warriors and the Boston Celtics back in Golden State for Game 5. So we'll talk about Games 3 and 4 and what we should expect for Game 5 upcoming tonight. We still have to continue with my NFL tiers ranking We'll update er, and we'll get updated on the latest NFL news as well. But we are on the third of my four tier rankings, which is strong playoff contenders. So we'll get to, I believe I only have four teams in this tier. So we'll get to those four teams that I have in there and then you'll be able to deduce who are my five teams in my championship contenders tier which we'll get to in a later episode of the final final podcast stanley cup finals is set as well and then liv golf and the pga golf the feud is underway the rivalry is underway we'll discuss it and kind of uh we'll we'll give a little bit more on what i was talking about in my last episode on the new liv golf tour So we'll get to all that on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Let's start with the NBA Finals, games three and four. The series is tied up two to two for both teams. Celtics, they won game three at home pretty handedly. If you remember, the Warriors won game two. Celtics have not lost back-to-back games in this NBA Finals, so they won game three pretty handedly. I mean, you had Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, they each had over 24 points. I think Marcus Smart had 24, Jason Tatum had 26, and Jalen Brown had 27. I mean, Steph had 31 and Clay had 25. And even with those two having pretty decent nights, the, the Warriors still couldn't keep it close. I mean, and a big reason for that is a couple of bigs for the Boston Celtics and Robert Williams and Al Horford. They out-rebounded the Warriors 47 to 31 and what Robert Williams at the center and Al Horford playing the big stretch four what this allows for the Boston Celtics they don't have to give up offense with Al Horford being a stretch four he can knock down threes we saw what he did in game one when he hit six threes but also their defense allows the Celtics to go big and we just saw it they out rebounded the Warriors by 16 rebounds in this one it allows them to use that switch defense allows them to go big on the Golden State Warriors, limit their offensive rebounds, get a bunch of offensive rebounds themselves, get more shots, all that, etc. These guys are athletic and switchable. They can switch out onto Steph Curry for a little bit, kind of distract or give him a hard time out on the perimeter, force another guy to come over to help, really give these guys problems on the defense without sacrificing the size of their team. Warriors don't have really that capability. Kayvon Looney is really their only big on this team, and he isn't as effective as guys like Robert Williams and Al Horford. He has his moments, Looney does, but Robert Williams and Al Horford allow the Celtics to go big in these circumstances. Also, Robert Williams had four blocks in this game. I mean, his defense is unbelievable. We know about this Celtics defense, too. All five starters, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, and Al Horford, all five of them got at least one first-team all-defensive vote this year. Marcus Smart, one defensive player of the year. I believe a couple other guys 
maybe it was Robert Williams, was second team all defense. So this Celtics defense is phenomenal, and it allows them to play these bigger players where the Warriors have to play this small ball with sometimes Andrew Wiggins playing the center, Draymond Green playing the center. They don't have the depth at these big positions, which allows the Celtics to go big, out-rebound, play this defense that is just suffocating the Golden State Warriors. We kind of saw that in Game 3 where even with Steph and Clay, that was Clay's best game this series, maybe this postseason, 25 points in the NBA Finals. Still weren't even able to keep it close, not even able to keep it within single digits. So the Celtics win Game 3 pretty easily, and it just... It just goes to show what I was talking about in the last episode with the Celtics. They can win in so many different ways. I mean, you have Tatum, Brown, and Smart each scoring around 25 points. You got three guys scoring over 25 points. Then you got this defense of Robert Williams, Al Horford, and the switching that they can do. And then you've got guys like Grant Williams and Derek White coming off the bench. Also really good defenders as well. Grant Williams, especially a good defender coming off the bench, able to take guys like dream hungry i mean he's not been a factor at all on the offensive side in this game i believe the stat for draymond green is he has 15 points this series and 17 fouls in the series so far through four games so but i mean that was kind of the story in game three and it kind of just goes to show that the celtics they don't need one guy to score 30 or 40 points to win they can a couple of these guys can easily score 40 points and in that way they can win but they have different guys that can contribute. This time it was Tatum, Brown, and Smart, their big three. Sometimes it might be Tatum, Brown, and Horford, or it might be Brown, Smart, and Horford. We saw that in game one. Just the depth and the versatility of this Celtics is going to be very difficult for the Golden State Warriors. It's hard for them to win some of these games. And you saw that in game four. The Warriors did end up winning this one, game four, 107-97, all thanks to Steph Curry having maybe his best performance of his life, of his career, just a big-time moment for him, one that will be talked about for a long time. I mean, Steph came up huge, 43 points, add in 10 rebounds. I mean, this is one of those games that you talk about where it's like, oh, the, the Golden State Warriors needed this, and Steph Curry didn't really have the help around him. You can't disregard what Andrew Wiggins did in this game, showing up with 17 points and 16 rebounds. This is what you need some of these guys to do on Golden State. I just talked about rebounding in game three where the Celtics were out re- or the Warriors were out rebounded by sixteen rebounds. Andrew Wiggins and guy and I mean Steph Curry had ten rebounds himself. These guys have to go and hunt these rebounds if they want to get that ball into their possession and limit the extra touches that the Celtics have been getting. I mean the more shots that they put up, the more that are probably going to go in if they're getting more opportunities. You have guys like Steph and Andrew Wiggins stepping up in a big time. Andrew Wiggins getting those 16 rebounds. I mean, he's, to me, been playing like the second best player in this series for the Golden State Warriors. In terms of Klay Thompson has been very inconsistent. Jordan Poole is struggling to average like double-digit points in this one. Draymond Green's offense is non-existent, and if he isn't the elite defender that he usually is, which he hasn't been at times in this series, he's a liability. We saw it in this game four. Draymond Green was benched in the fourth quarter for a large portion of it because of his inability to score, his unwillingness to even shoot the ball at some points because not sure if there's something going on psychologically where he doesn't doesn't want to shoot. But he's become a liability, especially on the offensive end, and he was taken out 
for most of that fourth quarter, which is crazy. But let's go back to Steph Curry, who just had an all-time game. In my opinion, no question his greatest performance of his career, given the fact that if they lose this game, they go down 3-1 in the NBA Finals. And only one time has a team come back from a 3-1 deficit, which was LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016. Steph doesn't have a Kyrie Irving on this squad to help him come back from a 3-1 deficit. Klay Thompson, like I said, that 25-point game in Game 3 was his best performance. He's just been struggling from three from the three-point line. And he's not the guy that necessarily creates on his own off the dribble. He's a catch-and-shoot type of guy, so if he's not knocking down threes, it's really hard for Klay Thompson to get going. But Steph Curry with 43 points, I mean, especially there was a point in Game 3 where near the end you thought maybe Steph got his ankle rolled up or something near the end of that game. You weren't sure if he was 100% healthy coming into this one. Goes for an efficient 43 points, has a big third quarter, and then a big fourth quarter. As Did I say fourth quarter twice? I meant to say third and fourth quarter. I mean, he just... The Warriors have been fantastic in the third quarter. They struggled in the fourth quarter. We talked about that on the last episode. But Steph Curry did not let them struggle in the fourth quarter this time. He took over this game to make sure that the Warriors were able to get the win. It was much closer. They were down, I believe, at one point by 10 or 12 points. Steph Curry kind of bringing them back and then putting them ahead and then putting them ahead for good. 43 points, 10 rebounds, I think four assists. I think he's the second oldest player in NBA history with a 40-point, 10-rebound game in the finals. I mean, wow. That was an impressive performance. A lot of fun to watch, too, when Steph Curry is running around. I mean, he had to work hard for these 43 points. This wasn't easy just catch-and-shoot threes, 43. He is moving all around the court. The Celtics harassing defense. He's having to make really, really tough shots in the paint as well. And, of course, knocking down five or six threes a game to go along with it. But... What a performance for the ages for Steph Curry. Just incredible stuff in that Game 4 victory in Boston after the, the, the harassing they took in Game 3 as well. I mean, pretty incredible stuff. It's been, it's been being compared to LeBron James when he had to carry the Cavaliers in 2015 without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love being injured in that finals against the Warriors in their first finals or even in 2018 when it was LeBron without Kyrie, when Kyrie was in Boston, when it was LeBron and Kevin Love and like J.R. Smith against Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Klay Thompson at their peak. Don't think it's comparable to that. I mean, LeBron James' second-leading scorer had less points than the Warriors' third-leading scorer in this series so far, or in these playoffs. So I don't think it's comparable in that sense. LeBron was carrying much worse teams, in my opinion, where he had possibly one future Hall of Famer on that team in Kevin Love in 2018, and he had absolutely no other All-Stars on that 2015 team when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love went down. So I don't think it's comparable to that, but still, nonetheless, you can't take away. I mean, the reason I bring this up is because it's being compared to that right now. I just want to give my two cents in saying I don't think it's comparable with the teammates that Steph Curry has compared to what the teammates that LeBron James had in those two series back in the day. But it takes nothing away from what Steph Curry did in this game four. 
with the help that he's getting right now. These guys, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, can light up at any moment. Andrew Wiggins, I think, has been a massive. I think he's been the second best player for the Warriors in this series. He's at least giving them 15 to 18 points a game. And now after this game four, I'm expecting double-digit rebounds from him as one of the most athletic players with his size. Just got to go get those rebounds in this series. But comparing the help that Steph has with Clay, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, guys like that, comparing that to what LeBron had with Matthew Delavadova, Tristan Thompson, and J.R. Smith, it doesn't seem comparable in this instance. Doesn't take away from the huge and incredible, impressive performance that Steph Curry gave in Game 4. I loved watching it. Game 5 now is tonight. Who I have winning this one, I see the Celtics taking Game 5 in Golden State. I kind of thought this is how it would go when we talked last episode when the series was tied 1-1. to I thought they'd split the two games in Boston as well. Go back to Golden State. Celtics have not lost back-to-back games yet this postseason. We already mentioned that. I don't think it starts now. Still kind of waiting on Jason Tatum to kind of go off in this series for 35-plus points, maybe his own 40-point game. He hasn't even been the best player on his team this series. That's been Jalen Brown, no question. If the series ended right now, and let's say it ended in five games, and the Celtics won, the finals MVP would be Jalen Brown for the Boston Celtics, not Jason Tatum. Tatum's been hovering around... 18 to 22 points per game this series, which is not what superstars are supposed to do if you're supposed to carry your team in the finals. He doesn't have to carry them. He has to at least lead them. And I don't think he's leading them right now. That's Jalen Brown with his intensity, his aggressiveness, especially when you see him scoring 17 points in the first quarter of Game 3. He just set the tone for Game 3. That was Jalen Brown, not Jason Tatum. So the reason waiting for Jason... Tatum to have that big game, that 35-plus points, maybe even a 40-point outburst, possibly in Game 5 here, that could be the way. But the other reason that I like the Celtics, the Celtics have just more ways to win. Like I've said before, they have three, they have maybe even four guys that can easily just score 20 points a game and just end up routing the Golden State Warriors. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Those guys can easily score 20 points per game if they're, I mean, I think Brown and Tatum should be averaging 20 points per game, and they might be around that. Marcus Smart can easily get 20. If Al Horford's having the right night, he can get 20. Grant Williams, we've seen him have 25-plus points in this postseason as well. Derek White is another one. I just named five or six guys that can easily score 20 for the Boston Celtics, where the Warriors are struggling for consistency outside of Steph Curry. Clay hasn't been the same. Not sure what's up with Draymond. We've already mentioned his uh, stat that has kind of been the headline for him. 15 points in the series, 17 fouls. I mean, Jordan Poole, like I said, is averaging, is struggling to even average double-digit points. I mean, you're not expecting 10 to 12, 15 points from Otto Porter or Gary Payton. I've said Andrew Wiggins, in my opinion, is the second-best player for the Warriors, but that's at averaging 15 to 18 points a game. If that's what your second best player is doing when you've got guys like the Celtics, three of them averaging close to 20 points or over 20 points per game, you're in trouble there. So the Celtics to me just have easier ways of scoring points 
than the Golden State Warriors, which is why I like the Celtics in this series. I could see them winning Game 5 here since I, I'm predicting them to win Game 5. They haven't lost back-to-back games this entire playoffs, and then I could see them closing this out in Game 6 in Boston. The only way that I see the Warriors winning this series is because they have the best player in Stephen Curry right now. We've seen that sometimes isn't enough to win the series against the better team, though. But if the best player takes over like Steph Curry did in Game 4, that's how the Warriors are going to have to win this series. It's not going to be Steph scoring 30, Clay scoring 30, and Jordan Poole scoring 20. That's not going to happen. We've seen what this Celtics defense has done to this team. and I just don't see that being a possibility of happening. How they win is Steph having to score 40 again and someone stepping up, Andrew Wiggins, Klay Thompson, they're around 15 points, and the Warriors just have to play great team defense, which they've done in two of these games, to limit some of these other guys from scoring in double digits like Al Horford, Robert Williams, Derek White, Grant Williams. These guys can't score in double digits if Tatum Brown, Marcus Smart are each going to average 20 points a game. they got to limit the other guys then. So it's just so much going against the Warriors, and it seems like it's much easier basketball to be played for the Celtics to get the win, which is why I think the Celtics are going to win Game 5, and then I think you'll see maybe a Jason Tatum big-time game in Game 6 in home, at home, excuse me, in Boston to close out this series in six games. If the Warriors are going to win, though, it's going to be on the back of Steph Curry. That's, how, that's the only way I see the Warriors winning this, and I think that's a lot to ask for Steph Curry to do right now. I just don't see it happening. So I think the Boston Celtics are going to take game five. This could possibly be the one where Jason Tatum finally steps up, maybe takes a, <laughs> takes a look at being the finals MVP for his team. I mean, right now, I mean, we, we talked about it in 2015 when LeBron James lost to the Golden State Warriors for the first time with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Was, should LeBron James have been the finals MVP, averaging close to like 40 points a game, close to, what, 12 rebounds and nine assists with the help of Matthew Delvadova, Tristan Thompson on that team? Steph Curry right now is not, in the, not necessarily at the same peak that LeBron was on that team where he did not win finals MVP but got four votes. Steph Curry could get votes for finals MVP right now and not win the series. I would not be surprised right now If this series ended in six games, Jason Tatum doesn't go off or anything like that. The Celtics just play the team basketball that they've been playing and still win this where they've won like in game one and game three where they just have all these other players scoring 20-plus points. Jason Tatum can have 15 assists or whatever. But I could see where Steph averages 35 in this series. They lose in six games. He still receives some finals MVP votes. That would not shock me whatsoever. I don't think... He should win finals MVP if they lose. If you can't give it to LeBron in 2015, it's tough to justify giving it to anyone else after a performance like that. But give me the Celtics winning game five, and then I think they end up winning this in six games at home as well. All right, let's move on to the NFL tier rankings done with the basketball talk until next episode. Remember, game five is tonight in Golden State. So we'll see who pulls that one off. Remember from the last two episodes, there are four tiers that I have for my NFL rankings. We've got the non-playoff contenders, we've got the fringe playoff contenders, strong playoff contenders, and the championship contenders. 
Last episode, we did the fringe playoff contenders, which had my most, which had the most teams in it for me. I think it was around like 13, but kind of highlighting that group was like the Denver Broncos, Las Vegas Raiders, the Colts and the Titans, and then it had like the Vikings and Cardinals, teams like that that I think are going to be right on the edge of making the playoffs. Some will, obviously, because I have the Colts and Titans in that group, and one of those two is going to win their division since I don't think it's going to be the Jaguars or the Texans. So some will make the playoffs, maybe the Broncos, maybe the Vikings, but some are going to be right up on the edge, and and week 18 is when we're going to find out if they make the playoffs or not. In this tier, the strong playoff contenders tier, these are the teams that I fully expect to make the playoffs this season, whether as a wild card or they're going to compete for their division titles to begin the season. And the thing with this tier as well is these teams also have a chance to swap into the championship contenders tier as the season moves along. I just want to see a little bit more from them at the beginning of the season, in the middle of the season, before putting them in the championship tier. Some of these teams might shock you that they're in this one. I think one of them might right off the bat. This is in no particular order, but these teams, I just need to see a little something before putting them in the championship tier. Here are the four teams. Cincinnati Bengals, Los Angeles Chargers, Baltimore Ravens, and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I know the Bengals were just in the Super Bowl last season, actually maybe just a couple of plays away from being the Super Bowl champions, but I think they just got hot at the right time. They also had some problems in their division, or in terms of their division, wasn't as strong as I think it'll be this year. The Baltimore Ravens, who are in this tier as well, should be back with much more healthy players, a healthy running back core, a healthy secondary, and a healthy Lamar Jackson, who, if you remember, missed a few games last year. Also with the Cincinnati Bengals, nobody they're not sneaking up on anybody this year, not necessarily saying that they just surprised their foes, especially like the Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, in the AFC Championship game. They didn't take them for granted in the AFC Championship game, but the way they played might have shocked some teams. That's not going to surprise anybody anymore. Everybody knows that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, these guys are at the top of their position groups. Joe Burrow is right on the cusp of a top-five quarterback. Jamar Chase might be a top-five wide receiver already. They have maybe the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. They have a top-ten running back in Joe Mixon. Now they have a new offensive line, so they got to make sure that this offensive line is working as a complete unit, something that will protect Joe Burrow. That's why I just I have them a tear down. They're not going to surprise anyone this year. I still think they can win. I think they're probably the best team in the AFC North, but they have the Baltimore Ravens now who I think are going to be right on their heels with Lamar Jackson being healthy. So that's why I have the Cincinnati Bengals just a fringe below the championship contenders tier they're still a really young team and it's just a year-by-year thing in the nfl that's why i just have them a tier below the championship contenders tier i have them in the strong playoff contenders i fully expect them to make the playoffs still this year either as the afc north division champs or as one of the top two wild card teams in the afc but you got to remember too the afc is incredibly strong It's not going to be easy. They're playing a first-place schedule this upcoming season. They're not playing a fourth-place schedule. They are playing first-place teams. 
They'll be playing the Chiefs again in the regular season. They'll be playing the Buffalo Bills in the regular season. They'll be playing the Tennessee Titans again in the regular season. They won't be playing teams like the Texans or the Jaguars or the Jets. They won't be playing teams like that or the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are a strong team or a weak Broncos team. They won't be playing teams like that. This is a very, very strong AFC, and the Cincinnati Bengals aren't going to have some of those easy teams on their schedule like they're used to because they've been near the bottom of their division, so they play other bottom division teams. They just won the AFC North last year. They're going to be playing some top-tier teams this upcoming season. So that's why I have them in this strong playoff contenders group. They can easily move up into that championship contenders group once I see a little bit more of them as the season rolls along. Los Angeles Chargers, Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco 49ers, I feel really confident about putting them in this tier. Everybody is crowning the Chargers already. Yes, they had a great offseason, trading for Khalil Mack, signing J.C. Jackson, getting some nice offensive line pieces. I believe they drafted, did they draft Zion Johnson out of Boston College? Keeping Mike Williams as well in free agency, Justin Herbert and their head coach, Brandon Staley, another new year. But you can't crown them yet. They missed the playoffs last season, and they had a chance to get in. If you remember that, legendary let's not discount it legendary game 18 or week 18 game last game of the season where if these two teams tied the los angeles chargers and the las vegas raiders if these two teams tie they both go to the playoffs winner goes to the playoffs loser goes home if they tie they both go and we thought it was going to end in a tie but they ended up losing that game and they were out of the playoffs entirely so i'm not ready to put them in the championship contenders tier until they make the playoffs first. I think they are a very strong team that will make the playoffs this year, but they have to show me all the way up until they make the playoffs before I put them into the championship contenders tier. Justin Herbert is in the same class as Joe Burrow, maybe a top five quarterback already. He's shown it a little bit more than Joe Burrow in the regular season. Joe's had less games, but now Joe Burrow's been to a Super Bowl. So I need the Chargers to make the playoffs before I put them in that championship contenders tier. That seems fair. If you haven't been to the playoffs, and I mean you had a really good team last year as well, I don't know if it's fair to just throw you into the championship contenders tier right off the bat. Baltimore Ravens, the thing with them is I hope I want to see a lot of these guys come back healthy. Lamar Jackson looks good. These running backs is is a little bit concerning. Hopefully, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards recover from their ACL injuries. And then you've got big-time players in the secondary, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters as well. They had a great draft, getting a new center, a top-tier center in Tyler Linderbaum. Could potentially be a top-10, top-5 center right out of the gate, kind of like what the Chiefs landed in Creed Humphrey last year. That's what they're hoping with Tyler Linderbaum. They might have gotten the best player in the draft, in the first round as well as Kyle Hamilton as their safety, so their defense is locked and loaded, ready to go. But the weakness on this team is still the passing game. They lost their number one wide receiver in Marquise Hollywood-Brown. So is Rashad Bateman the number one guy? This is going to be, of course, a run-heavy team with J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. They also brought in Mike Davis from the Atlanta Falcons. So they've got three guys that can carry the rock coming out of the backfield. But you still need to have a passing element in this league. 
and I'm not sure how great that's going to be with Rashad Bateman as their number one wide receiver. Of course, Mark Andrews is still going to be a big factor, but if he is getting double teamed because they don't respect these other wide receivers on this team, the Ravens could struggle in the passing game. So I think they're they're set at the running game. They're set on defense. Lamar Jackson is absolutely special. He's a former MVP. I'm keeping them out of championship contenders until I see what this offense looks like as a whole and as I see these injuries heal for this team. At the running back spot, in the secondary spot, also had some O-line issues with Ronnie Stanley. So we'll have to see for the Baltimore Ravens with health is kind of one of the main reasons. And they also haven't even gotten to the AFC Championship game yet. So they're just a te- they're just in that strong playoff contender tier. I expect them and the Cincinnati Bengals to compete for that AFC North title this year. And then lastly, the San Francisco 49ers. This team, man, they are just they are very puzzling to figure out. I mean, they were just in the NFC Championship game a year ago. Maybe took out the Super Bowl favorite in the Green Bay Packers in the divisional. And this is with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now we're not even sure if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback come next season. He had shoulder surgery. He won't be ready to throw until mid-July probably. And also, the 49ers are probably looking to trade him so that they can start Trey Lance. And if Trey Lance is the starting quarterback next year, he's basically a rookie quarterback starting with this very talented team. I don't know how much we trust rookie quarterbacks or second-year quarterbacks that haven't had a lot of starting experience to just lead these teams, lead this talented of a team to the Super Bowl. That's why I've got them in the strong playoff contenders tier. I like them more than the Arizona Cardinals because Kyle Shanahan is a phenomenal coach. This defense is top tier as well. And I think Kyle Shanahan with Trey Lance is, is better than this Cardinals team than with Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, they still have questions on defense in Arizona, and then now you're missing DeAndre Hopkins on the offensive side. So I like the 49ers better than the Arizona Cardinals, so I put them in that strong playoff contenders tier. But with Trey Lance at quarterback, even with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, even though we've seen him in the Super Bowl as well, I just can't put them in the championship contenders up on par with the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. You can already guess they're in the championship contenders tier. I can't put them on same level as that kind of team. That's why I've got them here in the strong playoff contenders tier. All right, those are my four teams there. Five teams left. I'm sure you can deduce who those five teams are, but we'll discuss those teams in my next podcast episode later this week. But all right, continuing with the NFL, Let's get to some latest news and updates that we might have missed over the past couple of weeks. Cooper Cup signing his new deal with the Los Angeles Rams, like literally 48 hours after Aaron Donald's deal done. The Rams are just like, here, let's just shell out some more money. He gets a three-year, $80 million extension, putting him in the top five of wide receiver salaries. I mean, the Rams are keeping all their stars in-house. Matthew Stafford got the extension. Aaron Donald gets his extension. They signed Allen Robinson. Cooper Cup gets his extension. Jalen Ramsey was extended, I believe, last year. So the Rams are set with all their superstars in-house, and, and Cooper Cup was the latest, very well-deserving after the the year that he had. I mean, triple crown winner for, for wide receivers, leading the league in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and receptions. Only been done, I think, like five times 
like Jerry Rice did it, I think, twice. Sterling Sharp with the Packers. Oh, man, I can't even remember the other names. But that's some elite company in right there for Cooper Cup. And then also Super Bowl MVP. So that this was a very well-deserved deal for Cooper Cup, staying with the Los Angeles Rams. Another contract extension, Hunter Renfro with the Las Vegas Raiders, gets a nice two-year, $32 million extension, nice pay raise for a breakout player last year, him and Devontae Adams, maybe two of the best route runners in the NFL. Going to be nice for Derek Carr throwing to those guys this upcoming season. Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver for the Washington Commanders, he skips OTAs. He's one of those guys like DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown already got his deal. He's in this class looking to get a new contract extension. We've seen it now with a lot of these wide receivers. A.J. Brown got his by forcing his way out of Tennessee. Not sure if Terry McLaurin's going to be traded, but he's waiting to get that contract extension kind of like D.K. Metcalf. He's going to skip OTAs in Washington, so that's going to be a big presence missing in Washington for new quarterback Carson Wentz. He's not going to be able to develop that chemistry right away, so we'll see how that all works out. Lamar Jackson is present at the Ravens offseason workouts. This is a big one to watch, and here's why. Because Lamar Jackson could sign a huge huge extension, contract extension, right now with the Baltimore Ravens, but he hasn't. And that just brings up all these questions. What is he waiting for? Does he actually want to reach free agency? Is he trying to negotiate to get a fully guaranteed deal like Deshaun Watson got, thanks to him there. What is what is the plan here for Lamar Jackson? He could sign a similar contract like Josh Allen at this point, probably even more, because he has an MVP on his resume. But he hasn't. He's still showing up to OTAs, to the offseason workouts. This is his first time showing up in Baltimore for the offseason. So the question is, what is Lamar Jackson looking for? Is he going to go the Kirk Cousins route, where Kirk Cousins... I mean, he even when Lamar Jackson's contract ends, what will happen is the Baltimore Ravens will franchise tag him for two years. You can't use the franchise tag for three straight years on the same player. So then, after two years, if this is were to happen for Lamar Jackson, he would become an unrestricted free agent, able to sign anywhere for a huge deal. That's what Kirk Cousins did in Washington, took that two franchise tags, then signed with the Minnesota Vikings on a massive deal and actually is how he's, his deals have been like fully guaranteed for the past like three or four years, and he's kind of just got the Vikings in a pigeonhole right now, and they can't get out of that contract because he is fully guaranteed. Is that what Lamar Jackson is looking to do? It's still going to be like three years before he's not a Baltimore Raven, and if that's what he's looking to do, if he doesn't want to be, in Baltimore, that could be a huge problem. There haven't been any indications of this. This is, of course, people speculating on why he hasn't signed this deal yet. And it just brings up a lot of these questions of does he want to be an unrestricted free agent to kind of just have that power and that free will to go wherever he wants? It's very interesting to see. I mean, he could ex- he could sign the extension tomorrow. And, and, the reason, and the fact that he hasn't is very perplexing and something that a lot of people have taken notice of. But him being at their offseason workouts makes it even more confusing on if the relationship's good, if he wants to be in Baltimore, why hasn't this deal been signed? Something to keep an eye on. Everybody's waiting for it. Could get a Josh Allen, 
with the Buffalo Bills type deal, seven years, 200 plus million, probably 300 plus million actually at this point, close to 400. But does he want that fully guaranteed deal? We've only seen one, thanks to Deshaun Watson. Kirk Cousins is kind of in that class as well in terms of fully guaranteed, but we shall see. But that's important to note that he is present at their offseason workouts, their mini camp, which is upcoming. I believe it's a three-day mandatory mini camp upcoming this week. So that is an interesting one to watch if Deshaun or if Lamar Jackson, excuse me, signs a contract extension, plays this season out, and then gets franchise tagged. We shall see. But this is there has never been a quarterback of like Lamar Jackson's stature that has made it really to unrestricted free agency. The biggest one has been like Kirk Cousins of recent. It's because teams don't let these players kinds of players just like reach free agency. Teams want these players on their team for a long, long time. And then the latest thing that we have to mention as well, the Denver Broncos organization has been sold to the Walter Penning Group for a record $4.65 billion, most of any North American sports franchise in history. This is led by the, the Walmart heir, like one of the top 10 richest people in the world, I believe, or no, maybe, I don't know, Walmart heir Robert Walton was the leader of this group that has purchased the Denver Broncos. It was Pat Bolin, if you remember, for years, but then he struggled and I believe eventually succumbed to Alzheimer's disease. And so now the Denver Broncos organization went up for sale and has now reached an agreement with the Walter Penning Group for a record $4.65 billion. Incredible. I mean, it's always good for the NFL to get new money like this in it. You see it with the Los Angeles Rams when Stan Kroenke purchased the Los Angeles Rams, or initially the St. Louis Rams, moved them to Los Angeles. You just see the money that he's able to shell out to these guys like Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. Denver Broncos might be able to do something similar like that where they can mess around with the cap because they have an extremely rich owner, the Walmart heir, (laughs) So the Denver Broncos going to the Walter Penning Group for a record $4.65 billion. NFL loves it. Going to be new money flowing around this league. So that is kind of the latest in terms of the NFL news and updates. Let's move on to my final thought on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Just a quick one. Stanley Cup Finals is set. It is going to be the Colorado Avalanche versus the back-to-back reigning champion Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, the Lightning took down the Rangers in six games, so they won four straight after falling down 0-2 in that best-of-seven series. Incredible stuff. I mean, so they're riding hot into the Stanley Cup Finals as the Avalanche come off their sweep of the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, this Lightning team has has been said that they're possibly even better than their last year team that won the Stanley Cup Finals. So, I mean, this is going to be this is going to be a fun Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, we have the up-and-coming Colorado Avalanche, Nathan McKinnon, the superstar on that team. you got the reigning two-time back-to-back champion Tampa Bay Lightning coming in hot. This should be a lot of fun, but this I just had to make sure that you're all aware. Stanley Cup Finals is set. Make sure you get your get yourself ready to watch these games because they the hockey is just incredible. I told you about the Colorado Avalanche in the Edmonton Oilers series. Avalanche swept that series 4-0. It did not feel like 
They won four straight games. Those games were intense. This is going to be intense Stanley Cup Finals. And All right. Last thing. Final, final thought on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. LIV Golf. We talked about it on the last one. Here's my final, final word on them. As we get Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, two more former major champions, the latest to sign on with the LIV Tour, the LIV Tournament. I don't know how it's called. Two more big-time names joining this tour, which is a big deal. So Jay Monahan, I believe I pronounced that right, he is the commer- commissioner of the PGA. Recently, they suspended all of the PGA members that have since joined the LIV Golf Tour, the Golf League. I believe it's the Golf League. They have, they have suspended the players that are still PGA members that have also now joined the LIV Golf League. He defends suspending these players and goes on to say something on, on recently, I believe it was the, was it the RBC Canadian Open was the latest tournament this past weekend. Anyways, in the final round, he's on TV and he goes on to say, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA. He, this is, quote, have you ever had to apologize being a member of the PGA, end quote. What he's referencing there is these players that are joining the LIV might have to apologize in terms of they are now the front of a Saudi Arabian-led and funded new golf tour. And, of course, with the morality and the horrible and disgusting human rights violations that a lot of these guys have or at least are a part of or committed maybe themselves or are just covering up these you know what I'm getting at here now these new members Bryson DeChambeau Dustin Johnson Patrick Reed Phil Mickelson these guys are a part of that league they are almost I'm not going to say when, when when you join this league you, it does not mean you are supporting what these Saudi Arabians have done. That's not what it means. But it's, it's almost like turning a blind eye and almost giving them cover for their reputation that they have given themselves, that they have come up with. So that's the morality that is being raised when these players join and take their, the Saudi Arabians' money. They're, they're not coming out... It, it, they're not supporting them, what they do. It's not like, oh, we take their money, now we... It's like, oh, well, maybe what they're doing isn't so bad. That's absolutely not what's happening. But you're, you're, you're turning the other way when you take their money is what is being done by a lot of these players. And so that when he says, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA, he's not meaning apologize to anyone else that's a member of the PGA. He's saying apologize to others for your actions of joining the PGA. Now, do you apologize to others for joining the LIV? I don't know if that's the case for some of these guys, but what it's doing is they're turning the other way from the past of what these Saudi Arabians who are funding this new golf league have done. It's it's kind of referred to as sports washing, I believe is the term that's being used now, where sports takes center stage to cover up the wrongdoing, Right. So now when you think of, of maybe the Saudi Arabians, you think of the LIV golf tour first instead of the horrible human rights violations that they have committed, been a part of, covered up, anything like that, you know? 
the sports now takes center stage. When you think Saudi Arabia, you think, oh, the LIV golf tour, when in fact you shouldn't. We see this all the time in sports. We'll see it again in the NFL when Deshaun Watson, when Deshaun Watson plays again, whenever that is, right? Sports washing, where when Deshaun Watson starts throwing touchdowns and winning games for the Cleveland Browns, we it will most likely, unfortunately, be for not forgotten, but be put on the back burner of what is being brought up right now with his sexual assault allegations against these 24, and even actually been brought up more recently, it's been over like 60 of these female massage therapists. Is that the, I think that's the word that I should be using here. Either way, the point is when Deshaun Watson starts throwing touchdowns, in winning games for the Cleveland Browns, the high, the headlines will be Sean Watson back, Cleveland Browns winning, are they title contenders, yada, yada. That's instead of what is actually happening with this sexual assault allegations case where it's now over 60 female massage therapists is what I'm, that's the term, I believe. I, I kept trying to say like massagists, but that sounds wrong coming out. But either way, the sports washing we see it all the time in sports, but that's kind of what's happening right now with the LIV golf tour and what these players are taking the money from the Saudi Arabian funded tour. And the other thing too with this is the PGA, serious competition with a group that that, that has endless money. Like I said, I believe actually I read the LIV, the people that are funding this are committed to spending $2 billion in the first four years of this golf league. And we've already seen 200 million shelled out to like Phil Mickelson, 150 million guaranteed for Dustin Johnson just for joining the league and then golfing in X number of tournaments. I don't know if it's for the first four years or how long they have to be a part of this. Either way, the reason for that and that a lot of these players are moving for that is because the PGA hasn't rewarded its members as fairly as some think. So there's two sides to this. It's not like they... These guys are going to LIV because, well, just because it's a new golf tournament. There's other reasons other than just more money. They feel some, some of these guys probably feel disrespected or unfairly rewarded by the PGA in some of these golf tournaments. I mean, just take a look at this new golf tournament, the new LIV, where their first winner, they just had their first tournament. It was a 54-hole tournament. The winner of that, I believe, was Charles Schwartzel. He took home a $4.75 million purse. That was how much he won for taking first place. However much he was also guaranteed to join the league was also probably included. That's not included in the $4.57 million purse that he took home for winning 54-hole tournament. Rory McIlroy, on the other hand, he just won, I believe it's called the RBC Canadian Open this past weekend. He just won that tournament this past weekend, 72 holes in comparison to the 54 holes, and he only took, only, put quotes around only here, only took home 1.56 million compared to the 4.75 million for 54 holes and then for 72 holes. Was the LIV golf tournament even televised on major networks? I don't believe so, whereas the RBC Canadian Open was nationally televised over the weekend and Rory McIlroy competing against other big names comes home with 1.56 million whereas Charles Schwartzel comes home with 4.75 million 
So you can see where the money comes into a huge factor for a lot of these guys. But that brings up the morality again, which we discuss. And that's and it's not they're not what I'm, I'm not trying to say Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, these guys don't condone what the Saudi Arabians have done in the past or are continuing to do today. They don't condone that, but what they're doing is they're turning they're turning away from it. They're turning a blind eye to it, which is going to frustrate a lot of people. And these guys have had to come to terms with that when they decided, I'm going to join the new LIV golf tournament. And that's what I just wanted to get out. I don't I wasn't sure if I expressed that clearly in my last episode that I'm not blaming or I'm not saying Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, the DeChambeau, the Charles Schwartzel, these guys that have joined this are bad people. I don't think it's like, oh my gosh, boo, you are never a fan. I mean, I personally don't agree necessarily with them joining this new one, but I'm not saying that they are advocates or condoning what these guys have done. What they're doing, though, is turning the blind eye. And that's something that they had to come to grips with when they decided to join this new golf league. Something that I just wanted to clarify and make sure that that was said, that I'm not saying these guys condone it whatsoever. It's just something that they've had to live with. And there's a reason why they moved on from the PGA, from maybe what they believe they deserved they should have earned, and now what they're earning with the new LIV golf tournament. But it's something that they had to live with when joining that new league. Hopefully that clarifies all that and and makes sense on what I'm trying to get across. But all right, that is all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for sticking with me there through that final, final thought. I don't believe, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the LIV golf tournament again when it comes up and when we talk about the PGA versus LIV in terms of maybe another big name goes over to the LIV. But that was kind of the last word I wanted to get in, the final, final word I wanted to get in on there. But other than that, when it comes to the next episode, we will talk about the NBA Finals Game 5. I don't know when Game 6 is, but I know Game 5 is tonight, Monday, June 13th. My pick, Boston Celtics there. But we'll also get to my championship contenders tier for the NFL. We'll make sure we're all up to date with training camp as that is right around the corner i can't wait and then we'll see where we're at in the stanley cup finals as well we'll also get a baseball update we've got teams streaking right now the atlanta braves are hot the milwaukee brewers are absolutely not which is sad to say but we'll get a baseball update in the next podcast episode as well thanks for tuning in as always stay safe out there and you are listening to the final final